Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. Welcome to Stand Up for the Truth for June the 6th. My name is Mary Danielson. I'm your host today. And my hope is that this podcast will challenge you, encourage you, maybe refresh you. Today's guest is J.B. Hickson, and I'm going to introduce him in just a moment here. But first, we're going to take a moment to acknowledge the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you today in need of your grace and mercy, Lord, and and everything that that you have to offer us. And, And we are so thankful that you saved us from our sins. We're so thankful that we have hope in a world that seems increasingly hopeless, Lord. So we pray for the podcast today that you'd walk among us, that your Holy Spirit would minister to us. Pray for our guests. Pray for JB, the Hickson family, for his ministry. It should be protecting and guiding and giving uh, an extra dose of wisdom in these times, Lord. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. I had a verse today came to mind um, for today. And it's First John uh, 5, 19 and 20. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. We have J.B. Hickson with us this morning, and... Uh, uh, a little bit about J.B. He's a nationally known author, speaker, radio host with more than 30 years of ministry experience in the pastoral and academic areas. Um, recognized for his expertise in systematic theology as a passion for communicating important theological truths from God's Word in a clear and easy-to-understand way. Uh, J.D. Has served, uh, J.B. has served on the faculties and, and adjunct faculties of nine colleges and seminaries, uh, 11 books, Spirit of Antichrist 1 and 2, uh, including Getting the Gospel Wrong, 10 Reasons Some People Go to Hell, uh, The Great Last Day's Deception. There's a great um, mix of things there if you're interested in some of JB's books. Of course, he's contributed to many theological journals, magazines, newspapers, other print and online media. Regular contributor to Harbinger's Daily, um, and then many Christian television and radio shows. When he's not traveling for speaking engagements, he is usually in the pulpit at Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado, where he serves as the lead pastor. Uh, JB, you have an incredible passion for the urgency of the times. I so appreciate that. Good morning, and welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Good morning, Mary. What a joy to be on with you. Always a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, and and this is this is just a, a real treat for me too. You were recently at the Mid America Prophecy Conference in Tulsa. What did you teach on there? Yeah, so we had a fantastic conference there. And by the way, let me start by saying that today's a particularly special day because it's my anniversary with the love of my life, Wendy. Thirty-one years uh, today, and so praise God, and glad that we get to share this moment with uh, Stand Up for the Truth. You know, she really exemplifies uh, what Proverbs 31 talks about when it says her worth is far above rubies, and many daughters have done well, but but she truly excels them all. So I love you, Wendy. Looking forward to uh, to a wonderful day today. But yeah, uh, back to uh, Tulsa. Man, what a great conference. I was there with uh, uh, Dr. Andy Woods and Dr. Thomas Ice and a few others. Uh, my two messages were on uh, transhumanism, uh, creating God in the image of man, 
And then uh, I had the privilege of speaking on uh, basically the Luciferian agenda. We called it the Great Satanic Reset, A New World and an Old Enemy. And uh, both of those videos are up at notbyworks.org. But, yeah, it was... uh, I always love going to those conferences, Mary, because I get to hear some some great speakers myself. And, man, they hit some home runs. I was really blessed. Great. That's that's incredible. And plus you have Prophecy Nights on Tuesday at Plum Creek. And I I love especially the questions from the audience because people who listen to uh, speakers like yourself and teachers, they're thinking. You know, while you're speaking, they are thinking and they're pondering. And everyone processes all these things a little differently. And I love the questions they're thinking through. So, what are some of the great questions, or is there a specific question that you've had recently that really sticks with you? You know, we had so many questions last week. We dedicated the whole uh, night last Tuesday night uh, to Q and A, and we had over seventy people send in their questions wow. plus the ones on the spot in the room. Um, and uh, we didn't even get to all of them, so I've got a, a running list of ones that I'm hoping to get to at the end of uh, tonight. You know, we always do at least 20 to 30 minutes of Q&A after every session, and uh, tonight, by the way, boy, I fo- hope folks will tune in. It's live-streamed at uh, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, but I'm going to be talking about how the stage is being set psychologically, hmm. and how uh, things like AI and brain-computer infa- interfaces and mind control are really... Uh, a key part of the future uh, full-spectrum uh, planetary control grid that the, the false prophet is going to be in charge of during the tribulation. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we get some questions. Some are, you know, a little off the off the radar a little bit, and, uh, uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get. But we've had some fantastic questions recently about um, just, you know, timing and, you know, issues related to, for example, Gog and Magog and... Um, I tell you one question, if we've got time, that, that I'm still just thinking through, and it really challenged me, um, you know, is as things are changing rapidly, and of course we're going to talk about that, I think, today, just with, with the whole concept of misinformation mm-hmm. and so forth, but things are ha- rapidly changing, and in the past, you know, we've tried to, we always try to interpret the Bible uh, in, in the context in which we live, and some of the Bible prophecies, you know, if you go back 100 years ago, it was kind of hard to imagine how they might come about. But as time has gone on, you know, it's kind of like Daniel said in Daniel 12, you know, that he didn't understand the prophecies of his day, but he knew that someday they would be understood. Mm-hmm. And, and as time has gone on, we begin to see more clearly. And someone uh, asked me about what's going to happen right after the rapture, and, and would there be a complete uh, breakdown across the world, utter chaos and pandemonium after millions of people disappear? And, you know, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, where do we get that idea in Scripture? Uh, it's really, uh, you know, a logical conclusion, because you would think if millions of people disappeared, yeah, chaos would ensue. But we don't actually find a path, you know, chapter and verse that says that. It's more of an assumption. And i got to tell you, with, with AI and the great deception that's sweeping the land and how easily people are duped, I'm beginning to wonder, Mary, if, if there's going to be such a great... Um, you know, chaos after the rapture. It may be met with a collective yawn, because <laughs> if the Lord tarries is coming much longer, you know, they're going to be able to do massive deception with, with AI. They're going to be able to, you know, uh, convince people that, no, you, 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 people didn't really disappear, uh, and you're making this up, or you're imagining it, uh, not to mention, you know, technology is on the cusp of some unbelievable science fiction type things like tele- teleportation and stuff like that. And then you add to that the fact that, 
you know, we, we, we can reasonably assume there are not that many Christians anymore. I mean, as depravity is getting worse and worse, the remnant is getting smaller and smaller, and mm. I'm not so sure it'll make mm. such a huge impact that people will, will wonder. I think they'll be They'll sweep it under the rug like they do so many other global deceptions. So anyway, that was that was one that comes to mind. Wow, that's very interesting. I th- to me, the, what I think of after the rapture is I think of the scramble for people to make sure they are identifiable. This is my bank account. Well, how do we know that? Or this is my house or this is my stuff because a lot of stuff will be left behind. So sometimes I think it might advance the mark of the beast a little quicker. Um, yeah, you know, people have it, you know, who are you and how do we know who you say you that you are who you say you are? So to me, it might be an economic uh, jumble at first, but that's a very interesting perspective. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, you also, is all this, by the way, on notbyworks.org if people want to uh, watch or listen to that? Yeah, notbyworks.org is where you'll find all of our videos, our podcasts, our my devotionals, uh, everything kind of a one-stop place there. Great. And the interview with Tom Hughes, is that also there? Yeah, it is. Okay. We did that last week, a week ago today, in fact, and uh, highly encourage folks to do that. Of course, Tom Hughes is just outstanding and, and really uh, did a great job. We talked about uh, the countdown uh, you know, to, to the rapture. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it, it's still up there. Super. All right. Uh, you also did a podcast at Christian Underground News Network yesterday, I think it was. Is that possible? Yes, uh, it, yesterday. Okay. Yeah. It was entitled Misinformation, Misrepresentation, and Manipulation, Exercising Discernment in an Age of Deception. That's a great title. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, discernment has to be continually ramped up these days, right? I mean, the church, if they don't have it and they're just starting to see what's going on, uh, how can the church do that? And also, what are some of these misrepresentations and manipulations, et cetera, that that Christians are entertaining, completely unaware, actually, that they're being led astray, or at the very least, distractions? What should the church be looking for? And I think Romans 16 is where where you started with this one. Yeah, uh, Romans 16 is kind of a uh, was a launching point. And, you know, what's awesome about that podcast, about once a month I'm on with the Christian Underground News Network. Curtis Chamberlain's the director there, and he pretty much reaches out to me before our show each time and says, hey, what's on your heart? And so I, I pretty much got to just talk about what's what's on my heart like I always do on his show. Mm-hmm. And and it just had really been burdening me lately how easily Christians are deceived. And plus, I get a lot of email and questions from people about, you know, how can we, you know, what's a good source of information that's reliable? How can we interpret mainstream news? And how do we know when we're being lied to? So my, the Lord led me to Romans chapter 16, and I'll just read the end of uh, this epistle here towards the very end, right as he's in the midst of his benediction. And he says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. And that word uh, note there, I'm reading from the New King James, but it's it's the Greek word skopeo, which means to seek out. Um, it, it's a cognate in English of scope. You know, when you, you have a scope, you know, maybe, uh, you know, in your arteries or your, uh, you know, uh, intestines or something, they're, they're sending a camera up to, to, to look for things. And so the idea here is watch out for those who are teaching false doctrine and, and avoid them. And then he goes on to say, for those who are such, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. And, uh, you know, it just occurs to me that, that Christians today are so easily deceived by, you know, a lot of bells and whistles and fancy words and fancy lights. But, uh, 
then he commends the Romans. Remember, Paul had not been to Rome yet when he wrote this. He wrote it at the end of his third missionary journey. He had not yet made it to Rome. And uh, so he says, Your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. And then he says something interesting. He says, I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Mm. And it's kind of a play on words because he, you know, he, 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 first of all, he says that those who are easily deceived, you know, have simple hearts. But then he turns around and says he wants them to be simple. And uh, it's, it's a two similar Greek words, uh, and the idea there is innocence. And so what he's really saying, Mary, is we need to be innocent when it comes to the experience of evil, mm. meaning unmixed, pure, but not innocent when it comes to the recognition of evil, meaning naive and easily duped. Uh, and so, so, yeah, we talked a lot about how to recognize uh, misrepresentations and, uh, you know, misinformation uh, uh, and, and, and how the media sometimes manip- manipulates us. And, uh, yeah, it was a great, you know, you know, over an hour we talked about that. Wow, that's just, that's awesome. You mentioned, you had some comments about Rush Limbaugh. Now, I, the reason I bring that up, I thought it was spot on. I listened to Rush for the first three years he was on the air. And then after that, it seemed like it was never the same. What what happened with him? Because we talk about, you know, you can listen to certain people, you can listen to certain sponsored things. How in the world, I mean, if, if you know, was was Rush kind of bought out or, you know, how in the world do people tell us how do people know if they're being misled or if there's misrepresentations or manipulation? Is there is there a ABCD of it? Well, there is. And there's a lot a lot packed into that question. So let me kind of break it down one one part at a time. First okay. about Rush. Um, I, too, listened to him uh, early on. He had already kind of made it big, and uh, I was a big, big fan and loyal, devoted listener. And I always hesitate to bring up names like that, Mm -hmm. but in the second half of the uh, podcast yesterday, I did address some key, you know, uh, conservative outlets that most people, uh, most Christians think are okay. And uh, I did that intentionally because, you know, people are asking me about them all the time, and I just kind of wanted to get it out there. But the first part of the podcast is really what lays the foundation about, you know, recognizing through the lens of Scripture. We looked at a number of of, uh, passages, you know, uh, yesterday. We we talked about, um, you know, different... you know, passages in Proverbs that talk about deception, Second Timothy, several in First John. You've already mentioned First John five nineteen this morning. Uh, how to, how we're supposed to test all things and so forth. First Thessalonians five twenty one. But as far as Rush, you know what what ends up happening, Mary, is you know nobody, nobody, and this this presupposes that people understand the Luciferian conspiracy, which I've spent the better part of my ministry career, 35 years, really investigating and studying, and my latest two books, Spirit of the Antichrist, really outline this uh, pretty in, in great detail. So if you haven't, if you're not familiar with that, I encourage you to check that out. But if you understand the Luciferian conspiracy, what you find out is that nobody gets to a level of, of you know, uh, global fame, or certainly, uh, you know, even in the United States, national fame, without being controlled. Uh, that, that's a biblical principle as well, but it's also, we, we can document it. We, we understand how they control people. They control people in any number of ways, through money, through power, through blackmail, through threats, um, uh, through compromising them. They, they know what people's weaknesses are. They catch them in compromising positions. And by the way, today with AI, 
it's even easier to control people because they don't even have to have a, a weakness. I mean, we all do, but they don't have to have one. They can make stuff up mm-hmm. and make it look real. So one way or another, and there's you know six or eight different ways that they, these, the Luciferian elite commonly control people, they'll get you under control. And then what happened with Rush, and, and, and we, we look at the anecdotal evidence, and we it's clear as day, the first two or three years when he was on locally, he was almost every day exposing the grand conspiracy. He was literally saying a lot of the same things that I say and other researchers about the conspiracy talk about, that basically there is an unseen hand behind everything pulling the strings that is ushering in a global one-world system. I mean, he sounded like your your typical traditional dispensational Bible prophecy expert. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the way, after about three or four years, he never talked about it again. And when people would call into his show, remnants from his earlier days, and try to bring it up, he would deride them, he would criticize them, he would make fun of them, mm-hmm. and he became essentially a shill for the right-left paradigm and a mouthpiece for the Republican Party. And I actually met Rush Limbaugh one time. Uh, I went to a, one of the Republican National Committee uh, uh, meetings uh, uh, that was in uh, when it was held in Houston. I'm trying to think the date. I think that was the year... Um, Bush, H.W. Uh, Bush, uh, got the nomination. Uh, he ended up losing that year in the general election to Clinton, or I should say the general selection. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, that's my take on Rush, but a lot of uh, a lot of conservative pundits are like that. I've been saying the same thing about guys like Glenn Beck and Bill O'Reilly and Tucker Carlson. Uh, they may really believe some of the things that they're saying. Uh, they Certainly we agree with them on many of their principles that they give a mouthpiece to. But in the grand scheme of things, they're just controlled opposition uh, being used by the enemy to kind of make conservatives think we have a voice. Well, what about uh, even news outlets like Newsmax or OAN? Um, who can you who can you trust? I mean, is there any is there anyone we can trust anymore to actually just tell it like it is? Well, uh, that's the problem. Um, in a mainstream uh, sense. You know, uh, no, not really. I mean, what you have to do, and that's what a, that's a big part of what I talked about yesterday. Yesterday, I encourage folks to go back and listen to that because I give you some telltale signs and sort of some techniques to use when reading the news. I spend a ton of time reading and researching. I'm working on my next uh, book now, Spirit of the False Prophet: Hacking and Tracking Humanity. And you know, you, you've got to be willing to look at any source, but you've got to be able to read between the lines and see what is manipulation and what is actual information. And so much of what passes as news today, Mary, is simply talking heads spouting off their interpretation or their viewpoints. It's not factual information. You know, the news used to be a guy standing behind a desk wearing a suit and tie, reading, you know, and I don't mean just guys, but, you know, a newscaster, pretty conservative looking without a lot of flashes and lights and and, and, you know, background screens, just standing there with a stack of papers and reading the news. You know, today there was a fire on 12th Street, or today a cat got stuck in a tree on Main Street. You know, it was just passing along information. But if you watch today, most mainstream news outlets, and the same thing's true of the Internet, uh, are talking heads that are telling you something. In fact, I get a kick out of watching some of the news shows because most of the time, all of the guests are simply other newscasters. <laughs> you know, they will be, it's like the blind leading the blind. They will parrot what each other is saying. They seldom have independent, outside sources that are unbiased, uncontrolled, no agenda, just t- 
telling you what's going on. Um, and so, you know, that that's one way uh, to to kind of discern is is if you're not getting, new, you know, true new information, but rather spin, you know, the classic spin. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, you know, then then that's a re- that's a red flag. Yeah, absolutely. And I think twenty four hour news, courtesy of Ted Turner, was the end of actual news. I mean, doesn't it seem like that where they had to fill every minute of every day? Doesn't it seem like that was sort of the end of everything? Yeah, and that was by design, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go back and if you read my books about Operation Mockingbird, the mainstream media has been controlled for decades, going back to the. 40s and 50s, uh, when it really started, uh, they've always used it to advance a narrative. Uh, that's, by the way, where the concept of talking points came from. That hmm. was from a CIA memo. Uh, Bill O'Reilly presumably knows the source of that term, but he he co-opted it to, to use as a title for one of the segments on his show. But, but literally, the powers that be would provide all the major news outlets across the country with the talking points. Mm. And that's the reason, and that still goes on today. That's the reason, you know, you turn on CNN or Fox News, and, you know, even though they're supposed to be, you know, from different perspectives, they're all talking about the same thing, you know. And you'd think in a world as big as ours and in a country as big as ours, in any given day, there'd be, you know, quite a bit of news. And statistically, if it was truly independent, it would be highly unlikely that they'd both be talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. But indeed, they're always talking about the same major stories because they're conditioning people and controlling people. Yes, definitely. And I think, too, you know, pulpits are not keeping people up to date. I think that's a problem. Um, and some are, I think the woke thing is just infiltrating the churches, even in small increments. It may not be fully woke. There was a great article on uh, Harbingers, and this is not your article, but the quote from this is great. This is Dean Dean Dwyer, and he said, uh, he's talking about uh, wokeism in the pulpits. He says, having stared down communism and fascism, the church has buckled under the soft weight of wokeism. He says, in the church today, you have the awake and you have the woke. The awake people know they're awake. The awake know the woke are woke. The woke think the awake are asleep. Consequently, the woke think they are the ones who are awake, but they are deceived. Um, do, you, do you think, I mean, what do you think is the, uh, how much wokeism is actually coming into the churches through political correct speech. It used to just be PC. You can't say this, you can't say that. How much of wokeism is actually in uh, the conservative evangelical church, maybe unbe- uh, you know, unbeknownst to themselves even? Well, I would encourage folks to check out my interview with my good friend John Loeffler on Friday because we oh. talked about that very thing. He oh. calls it wokus pocus, and I, I love that phrase. <laughs> but it, uh, we did one on sleepy Christians and apostasy in the last days, and it was all about wokeism in the church and how we got here. Mm. But I think it's extremely high percentage, Mary. I think mm. um, that most Christians are woefully unprepared to discern the truth. They gobble up everything they hear. And, uh, you know, the remnant is getting smaller and smaller. And I hate to sound so cynical, but, mm-hmm. I mean, just do the research. I mean, you know, you, you look at, and David's really good about this. Uh, Standard for the Truth has always been on the front lines of, of really uh, exposing some of these trends. But, you know, you do look at any survey, and, you know, you've got uh, Christians who espouse and support LGBTQ agenda. They support uh, the gender surrender movement in general. They support abortion. They, you know, they're, they're just across the, the board. There doesn't, there's, there's a, a lessening of the gap between so-called conservative, Bible-believing Christian worldviews and mainstream uh, evangelical worldviews. Mm. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Harbingers. One of the things I love about Harbingers is 
you know, they don't particularly have an agenda. They are a clearinghouse of a wide range of conservative, Bible-believing authors, TV hosts, radio hosts, and so forth. And so it's just a great one-stop place to go mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, read. Now, you're not going to agree with everything on there, and you shouldn't. You should you should discern everything. I mean, I, I love their stuff, but I, I, there are some folks that whose stuff is on, uh, sometimes on Harbingers. I might disagree with some of their conclusions, but... That's okay. That that's really what news is supposed to be. It's giving you information, and then letting you you know discern for yourself. Well, here's hoping that the church will wake up uh, more and more, um, especially through your ministry and the things that you guys talk about. Um, it reminds me of some instances of the word ignorant in the Bible. As I was listening to you yesterday, you know, we're not to be ignorant of of what Satan's devices, of who Israel is, of those who sleep in Christ, and there are probably more. Um, but that simple minded. Uh, is is really a problem. And I think people are stressed, they're busy, they feel like they can't learn it all, so they kind of bail on learning any of it. I totally understand that. I think if, if people haven't been following false teaching for a long time, to just jump in right now is very difficult. It can be very overwhelming. Um, is is there something, I'm, you know, this is kind of a loaded question, I guess. We're kind of leading up to the break. We're going to talk about AI and, and some of your articles in Harbingers in the second half here. But, um <sighs> How? Where do people start? What, do you think that learning about how, how do they? Let's put it this way: How do people ramp up their discernment in these times as things exponentially get darker? Well, it's going to sound trite, especially on a, a great show like yours, where you guys talk about the Word of God all the time. But it, it's very simple: you've got to start with the truth. If mm. you're going to recognize a lie, you got to know the truth. And so, how do we know the truth? By staying in. The Word of God. I mean, that, that's that's what we talked about uh, yesterday with uh, with Curtis. Was this whole idea of Proverbs two at the very end of that chapter? It it comes right out and says, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, then discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you gain discernment? You've got to have some point of comparison. You got to have uh, something in fact, Proverbs two even uses the word uh, discernment. It says, "In you know, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands, those are both synonyms for the Bible, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek for her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, it's then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord." So. You know, it starts with having being well grounded in the Word, and so masterfully, the Luciferian elite that are trying to work together with with the you know evil spirits and human accomplices to try to usher in a one world system at the behest of Satan, they've they've attacked the Bible, going back to the rise of higher criticism, turn of the twentieth century. They they convinced Christians that the Bible is just another book; it's not the inspired Word of God; it's not quick and powerful, and they've marginalized the Bible. The Darwinian teaching did that, and of course the Church embraced that with its old earth uh, Darwinian thought. And, uh, you know, so most Christians today, even if they read a Bible or go to a church that, you know, ostensibly uses a Bible, they really have not embraced it as the only standard for their beliefs, attitudes, and practices. Yes, it's a very sad day when churches stopped having people bring their Bibles. I think that was... uh so incredibly short-sighted, to say the least. Um, 
And I think it's very, very sad, and it's all coming home to roost, all that sort of thing. Um, We're talking, my name is Mary Danielson. We're talking with J.B. Hickson, and J.B. has some great articles we're going to talk about in the second half. One is called The Fog is Lifting, Prophecies That Seemed Far-Fetched, Even Impossible, Are Now Easily Understood. Another one, All That Glitters Is Not Gold, is the allure of high-tech progress leading leading us down a treacherous path. So we can talk about the the run-up to the mark of the beast. Another one, all weapons are no match for God. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, I'll tell you, the Luciferians and the globalists are not shy about their plans. They've been sort of pseudo-date-setting for a long time. We have Agenda 21, Agenda 30, Global ID 2030. Now they're saying 2024 for a Global ID. Um, We are unmistakably on a clock. I know God's clock would be more related to Israel, but we are definitely on a clock. So um, we're going to take a break shortly here um, and talk about all these things as we come, uh, as, as, as we come back. Um, remember to visit StandForTheTruth.com. Sign up for our weekly podcast digest via your email box. On the top menu bar, you can click the sub- subscribe link, enter your first name and email address. Uh, feedback is also encouraged at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. And there's so many great resources there. Um, You want to look at the archives. And uh, JB has been on in the past, other great archives uh, with him, talking about uh, so many uh, fascinating things. You know, lying signs and wonders are next, are are on the agenda uh, for those who dwell upon the earth in the last days. So, uh, again, my name is Mary Danielson, JB Hickson, uh, notbyworks.org. A lot of great content there, too. We will be back shortly. Um, More with JB. Stand Up For The Truth is on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at StandUpWI. And share today's show via the links at the StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Today we have J.B. Hickson, NotByWorks.org. He's a busy guy. I don't know how he keeps up, but I sure am blessed by it, so I'm going to say that much. As we uh, left the first half, we were talking about um, you know, a, a, it's not really date setting, but the, the Luciferians aren't really shy anymore about what they intend to do uh, with the globalist system. And I have this something I called the plans of man file um, because the enemy is not subtle about his plans. And they've sort of been, like I said, pseudo date setting for a while. You have Agenda 21, which became Agenda 30, Global ID 2030, that whole world would have a global digital ID by 2030. They've moved that up considerably to 2024, um, so the entire world will be on the same um, digital ID system. But you have something in your book, and you mentioned yesterday about the Luciferian named Alice Bailey, and I know she's uh, long gone, but... Tell us a little bit, what was her prognostication uh, about uh, this particular era? Yeah, so Alice Bailey was a a follower of Luciferian Helena Blavatsky, who was the founder of the Theosophical Society in in 1875. But uh, before Bailey's death in 1949, she wrote over 10,000 pages 
which made their way into 24 books, many of which were published after her death by a publishing company, by the way, that she and her husband, Foster, created in the early 1920s, and it was called the Lucifer Publishing Company. A lot of folks know have heard about that, but uh, anyway, it was later renamed the Lucius Publishing Company. But Bailey claimed that most of her writings were channeled through a spirit guide, a demon. Uh, uh, his full name is hard to pronounce, but he just goes by Master DK. This is the name she gives him uh, that allegedly was her demon that was telling her uh, what to write. Uh, and Master DK is said to be a member of what the Luciferians refer to as the spiritual hierarchy or a council of adepts. Adepts are, are what they call the, the Luciferian uh, human accomplices that work with Satan and uh, masters of ancient wisdom. But uh, anyway, uh, she was in, Master DK was originally introduced by Blavatsky in, in her writings back in the late 19th century. Um, but uh, Alice Bailey refers to him a lot in her writings, and she makes at least 15 references to the year 2025 uh, based upon these demonic revelations from Master D.K. Mm. Uh, Stephen Chernikeef, in, a, in his book called 2025 and the World Teacher, lists these references. Now, he's not a believer. He's, he's, an, he's a follower, frankly, of this teaching. But it was a fascinating book that I looked through in, in the research for my Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. And he said, quote, Every hundred years, our spiritual hierarchy meets to decide humanity's fate. And then the book charts the alleged hierarchical conclaves. These are, think about them as, as if they're like demon strategy sessions led by Satan. Hmm. But every hundred years, they meet from 1425 to 2025, according to this, uh, this uh, book. And so uh, Chernikeev says, quote, This is a very handy little book for those wishing to apprise themselves of the urgency of the year 2025. It is the year the masters meet in their once-in-a-century conclave. And then, you know, you, you just consider the fact that, you know, Bailey is writing, uh, you know, what, almost 100 years ago, 80 to 100 years ago, and yet, strangely enough, she mentions 15 different times referencing the year 2025. And then in, in my Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2 book, I, I talk about the Luciferian timetable, and that's just one big data point. But, you know, if you read their other writings and you look at some of the leaked documents, you find out that they've been talking about the decade of the 2020s for a long time. It goes back to 1992 at the Rio conference on global warming, allegedly, uh, where they got together and said, hey, for the 21st century, we've got to We've got to impose all of these rules and get the whole world to come together to save the planet. And that's where Agenda 21 comes from. It, it was referencing the 21st century, mm. not the 21. Uh, but anyway, then they, that was in 1992. Then in 2015, well into the 21st century, they met again, and the UN, in cooperation with the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and several other globalist uh, you know, groups, got together and, and promoted Agenda 2030, which was that within the next 15 years, again, this was in 2015, we believe we will cross the finish line of ushering in a global governance, complete control, and a one-world system. And uh, you know, in the book, I, I have a whole section on 20, Agenda 2030, and, and some of the stuff that they said they were going to roll out is frightening. And now, you know, you fast forward to the pandemic and some of the other things that have happened just in the last three years, and they're out there bragging about how, 
easily they were able to press their agenda forward and how they're ahead of the game, and they really think they can accomplish this before 2030. Mm -hmm. I always like to remind people, you know, we believe the Bible is the Word of God, and God is the ultimate you know, arbiter of the timetable, just because these Luciferian, you know, this Luciferian cabal is out there bragging and touting the year 2025 and 2030 and so on, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. But it certainly should get our attention when the enemy's co-conspirators, Satan's co-conspirators on earth, are targeting a particular year, and, and we ought to, you know, stand up and take notice and fight the battle with the spiritual warfare that, that the, the Word of God gives us. Right. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, and I know that rolls off our tongues easily, but it's it's true. Strong delusion is coming to a planet near you. Uh, JB, let's talk about AI uh, relating to the coming mark of the beast. I know back in the 80s, barcodes came out and everybody lost their minds, you know, that this this is the mark of the beast. or And then chip implants, we heard about that for a while. What uh, AI, I think, is just going to change everything. And there's there aren't enough hours in the day, I think, to talk about how many ways. But kick us off here and talk about AI, however you want to start that off, the mark of the beast, or, or however you want to handle that. And just feel free to talk about where we're at with that. Yeah, so first of all, uh, just to master the obvious here, the mark of the beast comes from Revelation 13. At the midpoint of the tribulation, the, the beast and the false prophet, which is the Antichrist and his sidekick, his second-in-command, are going to roll out a full-spectrum control grid across the planet that will track every single human being on the planet. And it's it, you know in years gone by, it was hard to imagine how that type of thing could possibly happen, especially since you know the, the Antichrist and the false prophet are not omniscient, they're not omnipotent, and Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipotent. Um, in recent years, in the, in the modern era, we started to see some types of technological advancements that made people go, oh, maybe this is it. You know, maybe it's the UPC codes, or maybe it's the RFID chips. But even those back then, when they were rolled out, nobody was talking about using them for the purpose of a global tracking system. They were talking about using them for, you know, inventory control in your department store or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we in the Bible prophecy realm were, you know, always start with the Bible and then we see how teachings in the Bible might be playing themselves out. So we were the ones that would bring up, and I say we, that was a little before my time, but, you know, folks like my grandfather, who was a Bible prophecy preacher, you know, he would point out, hey, this could be one way that they implement the control grid from Revelation 13. But what's different today, uh, Mary, with AI and with the global digital ID and the stuff that they're, they're talking about that I've uh, outlined extensively in chapters 2 and 3 of uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, is that they're coming right out and saying, we intend to use this technology to track everyone in the world. You won't be able to travel. You won't be able to buy and sell. You won't be able to open bank accounts. You won't be able to get your Social Security payment. You won't be able to pay your property taxes unless you sign on to this global digital ID. And then you, know, you couple that with some of the latest uh, information coming out of the WEF, and they're actually bragging about how this global digital ID will not be external, you know, not be an app on your phone or a, a card like your driver's license. It's going to be implanted beneath the skin, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So now you, you start to get my attention because, you know, if you know the Bible and you hear these evil globalists and technocrats out there talking about some type of device that's going to be implanted 
on or underneath the skin that will be used to regulate your commerce and to track you everywhere you go, immediately your mind goes to Revelation 13. So, you know, to be clear, we're not suggesting that this type of technology or even things like the mRNA technology, that's another whole subject, Mm -hmm. are the mark of the beast, because biblically the mark of the beast will not come into existence until after the rapture during the tribulation period. But the stage is certainly being set being said as we see technology you know coming to existence that is for the express purpose of tracking and controlling the world yes and you know the, reminds me of the verse in daniel when he talks about you know go your way daniel you know you'll you'll rest with you know your people and uh, people will run to and fro trying to figure out a lot of things and knowledge will increase exponentially of course and you wrote an article the fog is lifting Prophecies that seem far-fetched, even impossible, are now easily understood. And that's what strikes me about what we're talking about here. Um, the fog is lifting, and a lot of this stuff is becoming more easily understood. We have um, uh, digital, I- digital IDs, digital coins. We have blockchains to keep track of everyone. It's just uh, unbelievable. I've been watching this a long time, and the things that we're seeing are just amazing. Um, you talk about chat GPT. And something called embodiment. What I, I'm first hearing about this, uh, JB, what is embodiment and why are the AI experts talking about it and are people, of course, going to be afraid of this? What is that? Yes. So that's a great term that people, I mean, an important term, I should say, that people need to, to, to be aware of. Um, I've been you know, really doing a deep dive into the AI and chat GPT for, for some time now as I'm researching my next book, and we've had some top-level technology experts on our program. We've got several podcasts that talk about AI and get input on it. Um, but embodiment, what is embodiment, and why are the AI experts all uh, talking about it? Well, when they talk about embodiment, they're talking about embodied AI robots. Mm. In other words, right now, everybody's talking about chat GPT and similar programs that use the large language model you know, to, to create documents and, you know, articles and, uh, you know, produce things like music and so forth, or, you know, digital art and so forth, where you type in a prompt and it'll do something. But what if you, and then on the other side, you've got these mechanical robots that look like something out of, you know, the Terminator movies that, you know, have been in the news for a couple of decades now where different corporations are using them to, you know, they pre-program them to do tasks and they, they'll move boxes or they'll carry inventory from one warehouse to another or, you know, think about something as simple as your iRobot or whatever it's called, your Roomba, you know, uh, uh, in, your, in your house where you use this programmable vacuum that kind of is programmed to your floor plan, and then you turn it on, and it'll go and vacuum by itself. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take the concept of a robot and you merge it with ChatGPT or other large language model, uh, you know, uh, systems, that's what they're talking about when they talk about embodied robots. As the name might indicate, it's basically a, a robot that has been uh, given or implanted with AI, so that now. You don't have to pre-program it. You, you just speak the prompt, and the, using the large language model Chat GPT or something similar, uh, it will get to work. So you, and then even worse is within the next month. I was watching a video uh, just Sunday uh, about by a technology expert, Dr. Alan D. Thompson, 
And he was saying that within the next month, a lot of these uh, different companies that are in a race to see who can cross the finish line first to get to general you know, intelligence, uh, they're going to have these AI-embodied robots that look like humans. They're going to have cloth. They're going to be cloth-covered, meaning they're going to have clothes, and they're not going to look like you know the androids out of Terminator. They're going to look like you and me. And but the idea is, you say to it something like, "We have guests coming to dinner tonight. Would you please get the house ready?" And that's all you say. There's no pre-programming. You've not trained it to do something. You've not put in the code to tell it what to do, and it gets to work, and it starts tidying up the family room. It throws trash in the trash can. It, you know, uh, vacuums and dusts and straightens the pillows on the couch, and it goes to the kitchen, and it moves the dishes to the sink and wipes down the counters, and it's thinking. It's actually using the billions and billions of data that you have input into it as a starting point, the, mm -hmm. the, the large language model, and then it's able to think. It's just like what people are using chat GPT for. And by the way, uh, Dr. Uh, Thompson, who's a world expert in artificial intelligence specializing in the augmentation of human intelligence and advancing the evolution of integrated AI, he said, quote, chat GPT gained more than 100 million users in its first two months and is now estimated to produce, listen to this, a volume of text Every 14 days, that is equivalent to all the printed works of humanity throughout history. Every 14 days. Wow. So you put that level of you know terabytes or mm -hmm. you know, whatever the level is into a machine, and then you, you, you just turn it loose to, to interpret the data and figure it out. And I watched some videos that were pretty amazing. I mean, again, you know, you, you, they, they told, uh, in one case, a, uh, a robot to clean up the room. Well, that's all they said. And it was able to differentiate between trash and clothes and pillows, and it put the trash in the garbage, it put the pillows on the couch, you know, and it did that simply by running uh, through the, all the large language uh, data that was in it wow. so that it, it knows from its own interpretation what's a pillow, you know. Wow. And so anyway, yeah, I mean, it's chat GPT is... Uh, is pretty amazing. Anybody that's played with it knows that uh, it's it's just amazing. Now, uh, it, it it's recently become available to the general public, uh, and it's uh, you know people are using it for all kinds of things. I read about a project, and think about this: just the implications of this. They they are putting a group of scientists have taken every uh, patent ever applied for in the United States, and you know that's millions of mm -hmm. patents. Uh, whether it was granted or not, any application for a patent. Well, let's talk about what's a patent. Well, so inventors and people that like to be creative and think about inven inventions, they apply for a patent so that if it catches on, they get rich off of it, right? So there's all kinds of patents out there. Some of them are granted, some of them are rejected. But they took every single patent, or they're in the process of doing this, and put it into a large language model system like ChatGPT. And then they're going to write a sophisticated, complex prompt in which they tell the artificial intelligence to invent something, read all this data, and invent something. Wow. That's all they're saying. So now we've got artificial intelligence actually inventing things that the human mind may never have conceived of before. It's like you've got every inventor throughout time 
together, resurrected the dead ones, got them all together, put them in a room, and let them talk to each other. Wow. In his garage, just (laughs) speculating and thinking of inventions, you've got them all in the same room, and now this AI is going to invent something we never conceived of. That's amazing. Talk about your exponential knowledge increasing. And it just, I know, I think, well, as I quoted Google last week saying that every knowledge will uh, double now every six months or maybe it was six weeks. I mean, it was just ridiculous uh, because many, many years ago, I mean, back, what, 500 years ago, knowledge only increased every or doubled every 100 years or 150 years. And now we're just in some other level. Right. It's strange. It's just unbelievable. You had... Um, I'm wondering, you know, the dark side. I think people are worried about AI going rogue and killing. You have this article, AI weapons are no match for God. Recently, the U.S. Air Force conducted a simulation in which an AI-enabled drone tasked with destroying surface-to-air missile sites attacked the very officer who was controlling it. The story sent shockwaves around the world with headlines such as, AI could go rogue and kill its human operators. What in the world? Um, Sounds like Terminator, of course. Um, and this is paving the way for the beast system and this control grid and this this creature that, um, you know, ca- causes all to worship the Antichrist. I mean, we are the first generation to ever conceive uh, even remotely about this. Uh, what do you have to say about it actually turning on us? I think people are worried about that. Yeah, there have been quite a few recently that have come out. Oh. Uh, the godfather of AI has quit his job with Google and mm-hmm. said, you know, this is dangerous. Uh, the, the, of course, I talk in my books about the, the Google uh, researcher who uh, blew the whistle on an AI, and I, I have the whole transcript there of that, or a good portion of the transcript between him and the AI. And it's stunning when you read it. You forget that you're actually reading a transcript between an AI and a man. You think you're overhearing a conversation between two people. Mm. Um, so he blew the whistle claiming that AI had become sentient and they fired him. Uh, Greg Lemoyne, I think, was his name. Uh, anyway, all of that's in, in, in the books. But, yeah, I mean, you know, some people are out there suggesting, oh, these are just, this is just hype and they're just trying to market it and get people interested in it. I don't think so. I mean, when you understand where we're headed through a biblical lens, um, I mean, just think about AI as it relates to not just, you know, the embodied robots that we were just talking about, but uh, drones, um, I mean, we've already got cameras on every street corner. Uh, you know, what if you what if you deploy a whole army of these embodied uh, drone, these embodied robots to to go out and in, to the uttermost part of the earth? I mean, it is no no longer inconceivable mm-hmm. to think of a full spectrum planetary control grid where everyone is tracked. Mm-hmm. And now it's not like you're going to have the Antichrist or the false prophets sitting in front of a massive you know, array of screens, and everyone's got their own screen, and it's watching what Mary's doing and <laughs> JB is doing and yeah. so forth. But they've got these large language model AIs that are able to process the data so that at any moment they could say, what's JB up to? Now, of course, I won't be here because I believe the Lord's going to rapture us before yeah. the great yeah. terrible tribulation period. Uh, but who I'm using my name myself as a metaphor. But you know, what's JV up to, right? And so then the, the AI can simply take all of that data every second of every day that it's tracked me, what I've said, where I've gone, what I've looked at, and, and by the way, tonight at uh, Prophecy Night, I 
I changed what we were going to talk about tonight, and I spent several hours yesterday putting together a whole new presentation. We're going to talk about how the stage is being set psychologically, and all of that was prompted by Apple's big video that was released yesterday with their new virtual reality glasses. If you've not watched that 15-minute video, uh, check it out because it will blow you away. I'm going to play it tonight, Okay. uh, what they're doing with, with this virtual reality. So all of it's being tracked. Everything you see, everything that goes into your brain, and uh, and absolutely, that's going to be a key component of the Antichrist, uh, the beast system. Wow! And you know, several years ago, I had done a prophecy update about uh, little bitty drones. You know, the size of a dragonfly, and this is several years old. We're talking, oh, I don't know, more than a ten-year-old um, uh, technology, where where the drone could be the size of a bug, and it could be in your house, and it could be watching you. And so, we've been leading up to this for a very, very long time. Uh, I have not um, downloaded Bard or ChatGPT. Um, should I? Have you? I guess you don't have to answer that. But do you, what do you suggest? Because people are seeing this on, on their phones. This is an app. They can do this anytime. Should people download and play with it? What do you think? I mean, I don't think there's anything inherently evil about, you know, the microchips or the technology in and of itself. In fact, I talked about in Tulsa last weekend uh, or weekend before last uh, how technology is being used to advance, you know, major medical breakthroughs mm-hmm. with things like Parkinson's and so forth. So remember, in in essence, technology is morally neutral. It's who's using it, and in the hands of the Luciferians, it is a massive danger. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I mean, I would say uh, they, they, the technologists talk about the three H's um, uh, that tech, that AI needs to be uh, helpful harmless and honest and uh, you know those would be three biblical principles right we if they could truly accomplish that we would say amen right the problem is when it's satan worshipers that are really rolling out these new paradigms and these new world orders uh their definition of what's helpful is not going to be biblical their definition of what constitutes harm is not going to be biblical and certainly what's honest is not going to be biblical Mm -hmm. so uh, but if we apply those three H's through a biblical lens, then yeah, there are some helpful, practical uses for this uh, this technology. Well, yeah, and I've had a love hate relationship with technology for a very, very long time, starting with Windows three point one. Um, yeah. You also talk about, and we only have a minute here. Uh, all that glitters is not gold, and how humans are drawn to technology like moths to a flame. Uh, just tell us a little bit about that, you know, because. It at the end, it, in the end, in the hand of sinful men, it's not going to end well. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And you know uh, what? What were you mentioned just a moment ago about AI weapons are no match for God? That's my article that just came out yesterday. You know that comes from Isaiah fifty four seventeen, hmm. and and I talk about how the technocrats are ignoring the promise in Scripture that no weapon formed against God and His people will prosper. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. That's looking ahead to the millennial phase of the kingdom when God's people will be under divine protection. Um, but the principle is still true. There is no weapon that's ultimately you know going to to win out. Uh, and then as far as you know, all that glitters is not gold. The idea here is just what you and I were talking about a second ago. You know, you, you've got to be able to, to, to have discernment and see that while this technology, if you run it through the biblical lens, can have some good, helpful applications, mm-hmm. uh, if, if it's in that wrong hands, it can be very dangerous. And, yeah. and it is 
you know, true that not all the glitters is gold. It, it's leading yeah. us in in a in a bad direction. No wow. Wow, JB, we could have gone another hour. I so appreciate your work and your research. Uh, research. Um, thank you so much. I encourage people to get Spirit of the Antichrist Part 1 and 2. Very detailed. A lot of great info. Notbyworks.org. Uh, thank you again, JB. God bless you. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks. All right. Uh, Wednesday, James Walker replay. Russ Miller on Thursday. We're going to talk creationism. Friday, I'm going to do some more headlines and some dot connecting. Really looking forward to that. Um, Monday, uh, Kevin Minsky replay. Jim Fletcher next week. Elijah Abraham, Don Stewart. Thank you so much. My name is Mary Danielson. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.